this toxic, dangerous, horrible relationship, I need to leave and I just keep going back for more. So, you know, and it's anything in there where we're not honoring ourselves, where we know better and we just out of fear, out of whatever it is, we completely neglect our own, what's in our best interests in every way. And we just, we're abusing ourselves. And it's usually, it's because of fear. It's because of a mindset that doesn't serve us because of limited, you know, limiting beliefs. And then we, it's self-betrayal. We keep doing that to ourselves over and over and over again. That's a rough one because we, then it's like this self-loathing that happens. We're like, I, I know better. Why do I keep doing that? Why am I treating myself that way? Why am I abusing myself? I deserve better. And then we just keep going back for more. So that's, uh, that's self-betrayal. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 672. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here this morning or afternoon. Just occurred to me that it's morning my time. (laughs) It could be, uh, I don't know. Okay, that's a good ramble to start us out, but if you have been listening for a while, you know that positive productivity is not always about perfection, but it certainly doesn't need to be painful either. And today's guest and I are going to be talking about Dr. Debbie Silber is from the PB Institute, which stands for post-betrayal. I just lost the T, Debbie. (laughs) Help me out with the T. Okay. It's transformation. Transformation. Post-betrayal transformation. I had post-betrayal, but See, I think that's where a lot of people, though, they get hung up because they don't see the beauty that can come out of the hardships in life and the transformation just keeps us stuck. So, Debbie, how did you get into this? And was there a betrayal that led you into it? Or how did you realize that this was your passion and that this is where you wanted to be spending your time? Sure. Well, I've been in health mindset, personal development. Actually, I've been in business longer than some of the listeners have been on the planet, 28 years. And, you know, of course, you don't study something like betrayal unless you have to, you know. And I had a horrible family betrayal and, you know, how the universe is. If you don't quite learn the lesson you're supposed to learn, you get another opportunity. So that happened and it was in the form of my husband. Blindsided is the word we use for betrayal because it just, we don't see it coming. It, it just shatters everything we know to be real and true. So just like anybody else, I was devastated, crushed. But the lesson for me was that I wasn't even on my own to-do list. You know, it was always about everybody else. I had a business to run and four kids and six dogs and this huge practice. But I I decided, well, you know what? No, it's about me now. And one of the first things I did, which is a little odd when you're reeling from a betrayal, is I I enrolled in a PhD program in transpersonal psychology. That's the psychology of transformation and human potential. And I, I don't know, I just felt so intuitively guided because I needed to really understand how the mind works and, and why we do what we do and how I can heal. And while I was there, I did a study. I studied betrayal, what holds us back, what helps us heal, and what happens to us 
physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. And that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, and it changed my business, my family, my life, and uh, happy to talk about what those are. And it's just been an incredible ride ever since. Can I go back? And yes, I definitely want to talk about that. But I'm thinking about those pivotal moments in my life Mm -hmm. where I've experienced something huge and devastating and and betrayal. And in my life, I feel like I've always taken a drastic leap Mm -hmm. afterwards. And I'm wondering if that is a theme that a lot of people do take. I mean, you signed up, you went for your PhD. Mm -hmm. I started a business, Mm -hmm. you know. It, these are not small steps. Is there something that links the two together? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have clients who at this point, never when they're going through it, but now they're grateful for their messy divorce because now they're with their soulmate or they're grateful mm-hmm. they lost their job because now they're doing the work they love. Or they're even grateful they got that disease because now they have a love and appreciation for life they never would have had had that not happened. There's something really transformative about everything crashing and burning because it gives you an opportunity to have this amazing clarity and insight and do something completely different that we wouldn't do if we didn't have that total crash and burn. You know, it's the difference between, I talk about the difference between resilience and transformation. I'll I'll give this analogy. It's, it's really helpful. Resilience is bringing back and restoring, and it's a worthy goal. You need that for your everyday. Transformation is very different. So let's say we have, I I always use this analogy of the house, and let's say the house needs a new boiler, and you get a boiler. That would be resilience. Or let's say it needs a new paint job, and you paint. That would be resilience. Here's transformation. A tornado comes by and levels your house. You know, a new boiler is not going to fix it, and a new paint job is not going to fix it. And here's the thing we have every right to stand there at the lot where our house once stood and say, Oh my gosh, this is the most horrific thing that's ever happened. And we'd be right. But what transformation does is say, Okay, while you can stare at that lot where your house once stood, if you want to rebuild the house, and you don't have to, but if you choose to, why build the same house? You know, there's, there's nothing there. Why not build something so completely magnificent? That's the beauty of transformation. When everything is leveled, when everything has been torn down, taken away, destroyed, no longer an option, we then have the opportunity to rebuild something entirely new. And that's, that's always the option after trauma. I'm absolutely loving this. Just yesterday, and I know I don't want to timestamp, but listeners, I'll put a, a link in the show notes. I recorded a video on how to handle life's curveballs. Mm. And what I found was that for such a long time, I was going into bed, pulling the covers up over my head, and just hiding. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been through so many of the things that you just mentioned. I had a messy divorce, I lost my job. But on the flip side, I mean, the the divorce led to me finding my soulmate. So I love that you use that example, losing my job. If that had not happened, I wouldn't be here talking to you today, or maybe I would be, but it would just look a lot different. But it was the launch pad to something new, but I had to get over that initial hide in bed. And I won't do that anymore because I realize there's always something better waiting. I just need to open my eyes to see it. And that's what we do. It's so natural. Actually, you know, that was what my first TEDx was was about. It was really about how 
we numb, avoid, and distract ourselves from something that's really uncomfortable to feel or face. And we use things like food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior. And we assume that we're helping ourselves by doing this, but really all we're doing is delaying the inevitable because as you know, you know, it doesn't go away. And I have this saying that I use with all the, the members in my program and, and clients, you know, it doesn't go away un, unless and until we face it, feel it, heal it. And that's really what it is. And, and when we're using all of those techniques to avoid, distract, numb, we're really doing ourselves a huge disservice because we have the most incredible opportunity to rebuild something so magnificent, way better than before. Different, you know, for sure, but we never get to that if that's all we're doing. You know, here's another analogy. I'm really big on analogies, you can tell. Like everybody listening, I'm sure, unless it's just me, has this messy room or garage or drawer or whatever. I'm looking we, at my desk right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we think it's not buying for our attention, but it is, you know, and I think like, let's just take a messy garage, for example. And we avoid that garage at all costs. We just don't want to go in there because it doesn't make us feel good. And we think we're handling it by just not going in, right? And if you do go in, you just like hold your breath, go and grab what you need to, and you're out of there really quickly. But then think about what happens. There comes that one day where we're like, you know what? That's it. I'm going in. And you grab all your garbage bags and you go in. Now, if you notice, think about this process here. It actually looks a lot worse at first. And this is what people are so terrified of. But here's the, going back to our analogy, it's looking worse because now you're like, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to toss that. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to donate this, you know, and you have things all over. But then think about that next step. Then you go and you donate, and then you go and you toss, then you go and you fix whatever, and then you put back what's left. You go get your nice little containers, whatever it is, you put back what's left. Now, only because you dove in there and you did the work, now you stand back with such pride, you feel so empowered, and you actually enjoy the space. It's the same thing with transformation. Only when you go in there, you slay those dragons, you deal with all of that mental, emotional, you know, chaos or confusion, whatever's really challenging you. But when you do, you know, you emerge out of it the other side with this amazing sense of confidence and empowerment that you can only have because you went in there and did the work. It's the same thing. Holy moly. Thank you. Because I hadn't thought about that. I Full disclosure, this past weekend, I was looking at my profit and loss mm. for last month. And I was like, oh, that is not good. But listeners, you've been hearing me talk about how I ended a, a not good client situation. And that client was driving all the business, all the work I was doing to the business. But that had to go. There were no boundaries. There was very little respect. And it just wasn't a good situation. And putting that behind me, Yes, I took a blow to the income, but now I'm getting all my systems and processes. And yes, things like boundaries set up and my contracts and all those things that were missing the first go around. So I I feel so good about the future, even though it's messy right now. So thank you. Yeah. And that's the thing. We just, you know, we think, yeah, I have. Here's another saying. I say it all the time. It's easy now, hard later. Mm. Hard now, easy later. Take your pick. It's going to be one of those two. So when we're avoiding, numbing, distracting, yeah, that's easy now, but hard later. 
And it's hard now, right? Facing all of that with those challenging or uncomfortable or uncertain scenarios, situations, but then easy later, because now we know what we're working with. We know what we're dealing with. Transformation happens when we tell ourselves the truth. And, you know, even within the study, there were groups of people who did not heal. And one of the groups who didn't heal, they were doing just that. They were numbing, avoiding, distracting, and just taking whatever they could, drinking or medicating. And I would never say, don't, you know, take something or whatever. But what happens is, yes, it may have made it temporarily a little bit easier, but they didn't heal nearly as quickly as the people who who just dove in and did the work. Mm. Well, very early in the conversation here, you said, you know, if you don't learn the first time, mm-hmm. life will give you another chance to learn. Yeah, And I have learned that <laughs> I have seen that because life has given me very many chances to learn. I like to say that God will nudge me. And mm-hmm. then if I still don't listen, I'm just going to get smacked by a holy two by four. Mm-hmm. And I always learn my lesson with the two by four. Yeah. But I found that with my email, you know, when I was going through the hard client conversations, I would avoid my email. But there was always that pit, that dread in my stomach of, ugh, you know, it's easy now because I'm avoiding, mm-hmm. but it's going to be hard later. Yep. And when I finally just learned how to suck it up, say what I needed to say, because so many times, regardless of who we are, there's that fear of saying what really needs to be said, whether it's to our kids, to our significant other, to our clients, even to our doctor admitting that we're eating junk, we're not exercising, you know, all of the above. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be done. And I also found that going through those hard times, I was numbing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't eating healthy when mm-hmm. I was eating. I was drinking a lot more than I should have. Mm-hmm. And I was gaining weight from the stress, even sure. though I was eating less. And I I did actually have one of those hard conversations with my doctor. And I went in and I... Listeners, I think it's really important that you hear this because so often, just like Debbie just said, you know, we have to face the truth with ourselves first. I went to the doctor, Debbie, and and I said, I want an anti-anxiety or depression mm-hmm. pill. This was mm-hmm. at the end of last year, some months mm-hmm. ago. And he said, well, tell me what's going on. And then he started asking the questions that I didn't want to ask myself or answer myself. Well, Kim, mm-hmm. how, many, how many hours a day are you working? Mm-hmm. And I gave him the answer. And how many days a week are you doing that? <laughs> And I said, seven. Well, how much are you sleeping? He's like, you don't need an anti-anxiety or an anti-depression. You need to take care of yourself and own your problems right now. Yeah. Well, you know what? I even have four questions that I mean, I can share with the listeners. Sure. So here's how you know if you're doing that. You ready? And Mm -hmm. and I invite everybody to write these down. So it's, am I numbing and distracting? Mm -hmm. If so, how? Be honest with yourself. Are you numbing out in front of the TV? Are you binging? Are you, you know, are you drinking? What are you doing? Right. The second question, and this is a tough one. What am I pretending not to see? Am I pretending not to see there's trouble in my relationship? Am I pretending not to see I hate my job? Am I pretending not to see that health issue that needs my attention? The third question, what's life going to look like in five to 10 years if I keep this going? Play it out. What's life going to look like in five to 10 years if you keep ignoring that health issue? What's life going to look like in five to 10 years you keep ignoring that relationship issue? What's life going to look like in five to 10 years you keep ignoring the fact that you hate your job? And then the fourth question, what could 
life look like in five to 10 years if I change now? And again, I'm not saying that it's easy, but that's the beginning of transformation. Holy smokes. I love these questions. And I, I'm taking what's it going to look like for a more face value mm-hmm. expression. But I even have looked back through my Instagram feed for the last couple of years when I was ignoring. And you can totally see the stress all over me. Mm. Yeah. And if I had continued down that road, I mean, I can already see the raccoon eyes disappearing just by letting it go. Mm-hmm. Raise your hand, listeners, if you've got major stress-related numbing raccoon eyes right now. But I posted a picture just in the last week and a video of me without makeup. And looking back, there are pictures where I had makeup on where the stress was showing through and the raccoon eyes were so much more visible than even when I didn't have makeup on just recently. But I was I was totally numbing it, totally ignoring it. Mm-hmm. But it was impacting my health in every way. So I, I so appreciate what you are doing. Would you mind sharing about your programs? And then I want to jump more back into what this meant for your life after, after sure. you made the changes. Well, I mean, I could share the study and what yes, we discovered, please. and that's what led to everything. So, uh, yeah, so we made three discoveries. The first was that healing from betrayal is very different than healing from other life crises, death mm-hmm. of a loved one, disease, natural disaster. You know, of course, with any crisis, we grieve, we're sad, we mourn, but because Betrayal feels so intentional. We take it so personally. So the whole self has to be rebuilt. You know, trust, rejection, abandonment, worthiness, confidence, it all has to be rebuilt. So it needed its own name, which is called post-betrayal transformation. So that was the first discovery. And the second one was that, you know, while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, many of us do, if we're going to heal, we will move through five stages. And now we know exactly what those stages are, and we know exactly what it takes to move from one stage to the next. So now healing isn't just hopeful or possible, it's predictable. I mean, that was just so hugely exciting. I can't even stress that enough. The third discovery was that there's a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal, it's now known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we have a quiz on the site to see to what extent someone is struggling. And we've had over 6,000 people take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, and it's only been up a year and a half. And, you know, we've all heard time heals all wounds. That's not true, not when it comes to betrayal, because we have people, there's a a section that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And um, besides hearing about all of the symptoms and really what betrayal left in its wake, we're hearing things like my betrayal happened 40 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust again. You know, my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I just can feel the hate. My betrayal happened, you know, 20 years ago. It's like it happened yesterday. So it's profound. I mean, it's huge. So our programs, you know, all within the PBT Institute are walking people through these five stages because now we know exactly what moves you from one stage to the next. So that's all we do all day long is just help people understand that, you know, betrayal 
really requires its own protocol. And, you know, if we just go to, let's say, a therapist, that's wonderful, but it hits us on so many different levels. We, you know, if we just go to a, someone who's going to help us with our gut issues, if we just go to someone who, to help us with our stress, we're really not handling it at the root. It affects our, our business. It affects our relationships. It affects our health. And it all needs to be dealt with in order to prevent repeat betrayals, in order to heal for good. So that's what we do. Debbie, I have a couple of questions. Sure. I want to know about the five stages, if you wouldn't mm-hmm. mind, but I do have a question before that as well. Sure. Is there such thing in your mind as personal betrayal? Oh, yeah. Self-betrayal is huge. Huge. That's one of the biggest things we see too. It's And it's as simple as, you know, I promise I'm not going to eat the cookies and then we do. Mm-hmm. And it's as extreme as this toxic, dangerous, horrible relationship. I need to leave and I just keep going back for more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's anything in there where we're not honoring ourselves, where we know better and we just out of fear, out of whatever it is, we completely neglect our own, what's in our best interests in every way. And we just, we're abusing ourselves. And it's usually, it's because of fear. It's because of a mindset that doesn't serve us because of limited, you know, limiting beliefs. And then we, it's self-betrayal. We keep doing that to ourselves over and over and over again. That's a rough one because we then it's like this self-loathing that happens. We're like, I, I know better. Why do I keep doing that? Why am I treating myself that way? Why am I abusing myself? I deserve better. And then we just keep going back for more. So that's uh, that's self-betrayal. I'm in my eighth year of business right now. And for the first seven years, I was a yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. You wanted me to do something, I would always say yes, even if my calendar was fully booked. Mm -hmm. I could have had 24 hours of work designated for tomorrow when I know I should only be, you know, working for realistically to do a good job four to five, Mm -hmm. but I would still say yes to somebody else Mm -hmm. that I could do more. And it came back and bit me hard. Mm -hmm. And while at first I was really upset at how it all went down. And yes, I did have some anger at the other parties involved. I eventually needed to suck up and say, well, y- you had ownership in this too. Mm-hmm. You oh, did absolutely. not have to say yes. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's like, you know, it's one thing we say yes, because it just, it feels good. We love that we're contributing. We love that we're helping. That's wonderful. But uh, take a look at the intention behind it, because if we're saying yes, because we're afraid of saying no, we, you know, we just want to make sure we're liked to whatever it is. It's usually to our own detriment and we're the ones who pay the price. And, you know, and I know how brutally uncomfortable it is when someone's asking you to do something to say no, but those that minute or two worth, you know, that's of discomfort is securing so much more time where you can just honor yourself, your priorities, whatever is important to you. So I call that a case of yes and no confusion. I love that. Yes and no confusion. Yeah. We're saying yes to things that take us away from our priorities. And we say no to the things that would bring us joy. Absolutely. That's That's confusion. So the me of two years ago, if somebody asked me to build a marketing funnel, you know, I would be like, yeah, I can do that. I'll have it for you in two days. But I've implemented, and I want to go back to the the five stages again Mm -hmm. too, but I've implemented always times it by four, Kim. You think you can do something in two days? Times it by four. So 
And what I thought two years ago was that people would hate me. You know, that's too long. And what I've learned is that just like me asking for anything from anybody, for an example, I'll ask my kid, can you get on your chores? Mm -hmm. And I I want it done in a half hour, but I realize it's going to take long because he gets distracted. My clients don't expect me to turn around and give it to them in a day unless they specifically ask for it. And we put a lot of false expectations, not false, but how would you word it? You're the expert. Unrealistic <laughs> expectations on ourselves that nobody is holding us to except for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I mean, sometimes it's really helpful to lower the bar a little bit, not because we can't do it. It's because we care about ourselves. And we look at things like that as we're being selfish, but I look at it as it's self-preservation. If we were completely depleted in every aspect, we're of no value to, to ourselves or anybody else. So what's the point in that? Mm-hmm. I also found that I was training people to expect that from me. Mm-hmm. Sure. But now that I've let people know, my hours are 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I'm not working weekends anymore. It's amazing to hear the response. I was out with my kids and my husband on Sunday and I received a voice message from a client and she says, I don't want a response today. I just had a thought and she keeps on talking. Please don't respond today. I know it's weekend. I know it's your time. And it's because I had said, you know, I'm not working nights and weekends. And then she saw that I was listening to it. We use Voxer so she can see if I'm listening. She's like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? It's the weekend. Mm -hmm. But that's because I set that up straight from the start. It was that transformation. And it, and my husband could hear it because he's on speaking. I was like, look, or listen, did you hear that? She just told me to get off of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such an amazing shift when you just realize. But going to relationships, I love how you brought that up too. I mean, I have people in my family who have had those really horrible, significant others. I'm not going to say who it is, but I've had one family member who who their significant other was incarcerated and then she went and got in another relationship with somebody else who went to jail. And it's just like, where's the transformation and why isn't it happening? Well, and that's the thing. It's because it's so familiar Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what goes on unless we, and until we heal for real, I mean, everything that needs to be healed. The only thing we can do is repeat it, not because it's good, only because it's so familiar. And that's the, one of the biggest things we teach. Like for example, when it comes to betrayal, if we do not do the work to heal from betrayal, we have two options. We repeat it and we go from relationship to relationship, whether it's family, friend, coworker, whatever, with a very similar, the faces change, but it's the same thing. Or we put that big wall up. We're like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not letting anybody get close to me again. And sure, we keep out the the bad guys, but we keep out the good guys too. You know, we see it in every area. We see it in health where people go to the most well-meaning doctors, healers, therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. And at the root of it is an unhealed betrayal. You know, and we see it at work where people want to ask for that raise or promotion, but their confidence was shattered in the betrayal. So they don't ask and they're bitter and resentful instead. And that's the energy they bring to work every day. Or they want to be a team player, but they're so afraid. They trusted the most proved untrustworthy. How are they going to trust a boss or a coworker? So we see it in so many areas of life. And the only thing we can do is repeat it, is have it affect us unless we face it, feel it, heal it.
wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. You've got me thinking about my my amazing husband. I mean, who is my soulmate? And he tried to put the wall up on me very early because he was so used to the past betrayals. Sure. I wasn't having any part of that wall. <laughs> <laughs> and then he realized, but could you talk us through the five steps? Sure. The five stages? Sure. So the first stage is like a setup stage. And I saw this with every single participant, me included. If you imagine a table, a table having four legs, if you imagine the legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with every single person was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. And what that looks like is we're really good at thinking and doing and not as good at feeling and being. And that's not to say that if you're busy, it's a setup for betrayal, but it's in the feeling and being where your intuition lies. And what happens is we turn down our intuition where it really could have served us. So easy for that table to topple over if we're only focused on two legs, and that's exactly what happens. So stage two then, this is the scariest stage, and here's the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. And here's where we're just shocked. We're shocked. It's the shattering of everything we know to be real and true. So now we've ignited the stress response. So we're headed for every single stress-related symptom illness condition disease. The mind is in a complete state of mental chaos. We cannot wrap our minds around what we just learned. And our worldview, how we view the world has been shattered. These are the rules. This person's safe. This is how it works. In a moment, it's all gone. And there's nothing to hold on to, nothing to believe in. Every rule is broken. So here's really where the bottom bottoms out on us. And it's terrifying. But think about it. If you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You would grab hold of whatever you could to stay safe, stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical stage. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How will I survive this experience? What will I do? How do I handle this? And it's a really interesting stage because this is the stage we get stuck in the most and for life if we don't do the work to get past it. Because once we've figured out how to survive, we think that's as good as it gets. Anyway, there are predictable things that you could do to move from stage three to stage four. If you do, and if you're willing to, you move to stage four. And here's finding and adjusting to a new normal. Your old normal doesn't exist anymore. It's no longer an option. So here's like if you've ever moved to a new house, condo, office, apartment, whatever. You know, your stuff isn't there yet. Everything's, it's not quite cozy, but it's going to be okay. You're starting to turn down the stress response here. So you're not really rebuilding, but you're not wreaking havoc on your body like you were. 
Uh, so things are calming down just a bit. Once you're here for a while and you're making this space okay, you're making this new scenario okay, you can slowly move to the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. So here, you've turned down the stress response, the body starts to heal. You also didn't have the bandwidth for self-love, self-care. That was like the last thing on your mind. You were busy surviving. Now you want to take better care of yourself. You're eating better. You're exercising. You love yourself, you know, your mind. You're making new rules now based on what you've learned, what you've experienced. And the four legs of the table that, you know, originally where we were only focused on the physical and the mental, now we are solidly grounded because we're paying attention to the, the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the stages. I hadn't really thought about the difference between the mental and the emotional mm. before. And I'm sort of surprised that I'm saying that because I have been talking a lot about listening to my head, mm -hmm. especially in my business. No, you need the money. You need to say yes you need the money. And my heart where often says, no, this is really not what you want to be doing. Yeah. This does not feel good. you know. But I hadn't really thought about the difference. And even when I'm meditating, I found that I struggled a lot when I was meditating from my head mm -hmm. instead of from my heart and listening to my gut. Yeah. The, the head will always talk us out of what the body knows mm -hmm. and what we intuitively know in our higher wisdom and higher guidance. And it's, it's really bypassing that cognitive mind to get to the real stuff. Like when it comes to betrayal, it's one of the most challenging things because the cognitive mind, let's say your ego is saying every single thing about this is wrong. And then it's your heart and maybe your higher wisdom that's like, yeah, but you know what? What if, what if, what if? And that was the case with me. Like rebuilding is always, always an option. Like you could rebuild and move on. That's what I did with my family. I just rebuilt myself, moved on with my family betrayal. And then if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you can rebuild something entirely brand new with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. Mm. You know, not long ago, we married each other again, you know, different, completely two different, you know, two different people, new rings, new vows, new dress. And our, our four kids is our bridal party. So, you know, trauma is the setup truly for transformation. Mm. And it's, uh, it gives you that opportunity. Not all situations lend itself to it. Like with my family, it, it just wasn't an option. So best case scenario, you rebuild and move on. But sometimes it takes that complete leveling of what you had to create something new. Absolutely. When you were talking about stage three, I mm -hmm. started thinking about Robert Frost's poem to the road not taken, mm. two roads diverged in a yellow wood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he talks about, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. Yeah. I see the two paths and perhaps you can talk about this because I see us being able to take one of two different paths at stage three, four, or five. Mm -hmm. And if we mm -hmm. take the, the one that we've always been traveling, it's going to be like the highway off ramp where mm -hmm. we can keep on looping forever and ever. Mm -hmm. But if yeah. we take that road that we've never really traveled before. Yeah, yeah. It could be really freaking scary. And mm -hmm. who knows, we might just wind up on a different highway off ramp, but we could also wind up in a beautiful, amazing place like you have, like I have, mm -hmm. you know, and it yeah. does make all the difference. 
Does that loop happen? Does Where do you see those decisions having to take place or is it every single stage? Yeah, it's well, you know, just talking about stage three in particular, here's the thing. When the pain of where you are becomes greater than the fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. that's when you jump. And when it comes to stage three, this that survival stage, we have so many benefits for staying stuck. Now, I know everybody listening, you're like, benefits? What the heck does that mean? Yes, benefits, because think about it. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Do I trust you? Do I trust you? You're like, I forget it. I'm not trusting anybody. You get to justify not doing something. You know, you get sympathy from other people. And the small self, our ego selves, look at that like, yeah, I get that. Yes, I do. And then what happens is we sort of plant roots in that space And then, you know, like energy attracts like energy. So then now we're bringing situations to us that confirm it, that confirm. And then we start thinking, well, you know what, maybe I belong here. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And now, and now we're just digging ourselves in deeper. And that's the thing. When you look at it and say, okay, well, yes, I am receiving benefits and, and this whole victim thing, I'm getting a lot out of this, but if I'm willing to let that go, for something so much better. Even in my scenario, I I had an amazing story. The most important people in my life betrayed me, right? But when I look at it and say, okay, even though I had that story, by letting go of that story, I have a much better story. I mean, now, you know, because I was willing to let that go, we have thousands and thousands of people going through our programs, becoming certified as PBT coaches and practitioners helping, you know, our members and people are realizing they don't have to stay stuck after a betrayal. And now, you know, with the new book out and the latest TEDx and a podcast, and there's such an upside with this new story. And, and, I'm, and I'm no different than anybody. All I did was just say, okay, well, this really stinks. But I did something, just something good with something bad. Because otherwise, if you don't, you just feel like, I don't know. I just felt like, okay, something really painful happened. And if I can heal from something like this, I'm going to make sure that I, I take as many people with me mm-hmm. because now you have a much better story. You know, you become a role model for other people and it, it's just so forward moving. And I think that's really our obligation. If we've gone through something and we've learned something because of it, pay it forward. I mean, that's what we're here for. I love that. I look at it as fueling my new fire. It provides endless amounts of content for me. Where do you see forgiveness or forgetting coming in? And I have my own thoughts about both. Yeah. But where do you see them becoming or working their way into the stages? Yeah, it's really important. Forgiveness is huge. First of all, forgiveness speaks a language that the logical, rational mind doesn't understand. Because here you are, it's like someone did something hateful, hurtful, harmful, and yes, forgive anyway. And it's because, and we've all heard this, forgiveness isn't about someone else, it's about us. But here's the thing, when we forgive too early, it backfires every single time. And there's this sort of if-then rule when it comes to forgiveness. If you feel, and this is when it comes to rebuilding, let's say, with that person. Two different scenarios. If we're forgiving and moving on and forgiving and rebuilding, let's say forgiving and rebuilding. And this could be a friend, a partner, a coworker, anything. If you feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel better. If you do not feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel worse. So you really want to think about 
what's the intention there? Are you forgiving because you just want to feel better? You want to let go of the power that this pain has over you? You know, all of those reasons, you know, then forgiving is totally in your best interest because you're not going to create that physical, mental, emotional damage that it's been causing. However, if you're choosing to forgive because everyone's telling you to, because it's going to be easier that way, because there's less, you know, you have to deal with on the outside, whatever, and you forgive, that's going to cause a lot of damage. It really will. I mean, that was the the other thing. Like I said, there were three groups in the study who didn't heal. The group where the betrayer had no consequences. So let's take, you know, a husband and wife, and let's say the husband had an affair and the wife, just because of fear or religion, out of religious reasons or out of money issue, whatever it was, forgave and tried to overlook it. By far, hands down, the most physically sick group that, you know, it's, we're doing ourselves a grave injustice because it's not fair to us to have our hearts broken and we're supposed to just forgive like nothing happened. Of course, forgiveness is all about us. But we have to be very aware of why we're doing it, or it can totally and completely backfire. Does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I've I've found I needed for me, but I also realized I had a lot to be grateful for mm-hmm. out of the betrayal. Mm-hmm. And it has opened up so many doors that I wouldn't have had opened had I stayed. So I forgave and I also expressed gratitude towards my maker for what I experienced. But on the flip side, there's this part of me that while I don't want to forget what I've learned out of the experience, Mm -hmm. there's some days I wish I could put a magnet up to my head and magnetize those people out of my head and forget their names and forget what they look like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. But I realized that's not going to happen. Unless you know of some magical way that I can make it. You know, the thing is too, like what you do realize is the ones who hurt you the most are truly your greatest teachers. They really, I mean, if nothing else, they taught you what not to do, or you wouldn't have been called to move forward had they not do what they've done. So if you're able to see it from that perspective, they actually gave you a gift. Mm-hmm. Hard to see because they also caused a tremendous amount of pain, but they for sure moved you to a space you wouldn't have been had they not done that. And that's really what I looked at when it came to my family betrayal it was amazing. I mean, of course, this was, it took time to get to that point. But when you realize, wow, you know what, I'm such a better friend, mother, you know, partner, any, you know, role that I have, because of what I experienced, it served itself. And am I thrilled that it happened? No, but who I am because of it, I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. And I am grateful for that reason as well. I mean, as an entrepreneur, a lot of what we do focuses so much of what we do, if not 100% mm-hmm. of what we do, impacts our family in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And my marriage was suffering. But now that transformation has led me into a better relationship with my husband that I've had in years. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about family for a moment, just because there's so many people who get into a repeating cycle with immediate blood you know, blood-related family members and don't feel like there is a way to make a change. Can you address that? Yeah. And again, this is what I, what I mentioned before. When we do not heal from betrayal, we just keep repeating it. And at our, it's usually to our own detriment because betrayal gives us the opportunity to completely rewrite the rules. 
Because again, remember, it was like that analogy of the house that I gave. When the house is completely leveled, you don't have to rebuild the same house. If you're going to rebuild, why would you bother doing that? Why not create an entirely new house? And when we don't look at it like that, and when we just keep trying to patch it up, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And we wonder, why is it so ha- happening? And why it's so unfair? And well, it actually isn't because we're not doing anything differently. So we can't really, you know, there's that saying, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If we're not bringing anything new to the table, if we're not changing in any way, well, how can we expect anything to be different? Like that was the what I saw in my own betrayals. I was a completely different person. And let's say the members of my family with my first betrayal, they weren't. So there goes the opportunity to have a new relationship because I wasn't willing to have one under the same circumstances. But then when it came to, let's say, my husband, I was completely different. And he completely transformed himself. And I, I wasn't willing to try and rebuild if that wasn't the case, because what's the point? What's right. the point? Yeah. 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 I'm thinking about same story, different day, if you're not willing to change. Of course. Yeah. So my husband and I have both realized that as we've gotten older, family takes on a whole new meaning. Mm-hmm. And there's so many family people who we consider to be family members who are not related by blood mm-hmm. would do anything for, and we know they would do anything for us. Mm-hmm. But for anybody who's listening, who has very complicated family dynamics, just because they're related by blood, I want you to know from my personal experience, doesn't mean that you need to retain contact because there can be very hurtful circumstances and family dynamics and I know from my experience and I know from my husband's experience that there are just people that we are related to via blood that we have had to completely change our relational dynamics with Mm -hmm. and perhaps not even have contact with because it's not healthy for us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So could you tell us about your programs and how you work with your clients today? Sure, sure. I mean, we everything is really at the pbtinstitute.com. And that's we have. Uh, it's just all about helping people move predictably through the stages of betrayal. So, you know, within the, the programs, there's support, there's community, there's interactions with co- certified coaches and practitioners who get it. Because the truth is seeing the wrong type of person getting help from someone who isn't very well versed in this, it does more harm than good. So the entire the entire program is really based on helping someone predictably and comfortably move at their own pace through the five stages of betrayal. So they go from betrayal to breakthrough. Thank you for what you do. And I was going to say it and then I wasn't going to say it because I didn't want to cross that line. And now I have to say it because I said something about it, but being in the state, there are so many occasions when I wish that programs like this were more readily available and even covered under insurance. And I don't, you know, we don't need to talk about that, but I feel like there's so many times that drugs are used as the option before, mm-hmm. you know, the programs like this, which would be truly life-changing and beneficial versus the short-term treatment. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. Listeners, all the links that we talked about, as well as the the symptom, you called it a quiz, yes, or assessment? Yeah, it's the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. That's, the, you know, I mean, it's right. It's the best way to start because they'll see exactly what symptoms are lingering in the wake of a betrayal. 
All the links will be in the show notes, which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP672, as well as links to Debbie's website and where you can find her on social media. But Debbie, thank you so much again. I mean, you just the thought of the difference between emotional and mental, that's life altering for me just today. And I would like to think that I'm already on that road to, I'm going to call it recovery. I don't know if that's the right way to look at it, but I'm, I'm well down the road and I, I have taken the road less traveled, but thank you. Like that's yeah. going to be guiding me for a long time to come. Do you have a parting piece of advice or piece of golden nugget that you can leave the listeners with today? Sure. You know, I understand how painful it is. I've been there. I mean, there are days I just, getting out of bed was a huge struggle. And I know how it seems like it'll never get better. I'm living proof. You know, everybody who's been through the programs, they're living proof. You can turn your biggest crisis into your greatest gift, but you can't do it alone. So get the support you need and absolutely 100%. There is nothing stopping you from taking that biggest crisis that knocked you down and transforming yourself and everybody and your whole life because of it. And here's the biggest thing too, just because the betrayal was done to you, it's not about you. It's not about you. So um, it could be the boldest, most amazing version of yourself that shows up if you just do the work. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. 